0: You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with TalkDoc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards-Nagel, and Taylor Polendo.
1: Well, we have a special treat tonight. We have my friend, Michelle Thomas, who is joining us today on Asking for a Friend with TalkDoc. Hello. Michelle, I'd like you to meet Meredith and Taylor. Very nice to meet you both. Pleasure to meet you. And Michelle is joining us because of our topic tonight. And Michelle works for a large electric utility company in California. And we thought she would be a great voice to tell us what she's learned working in that sector. Before we jump into that, let's listen in on the content for tonight. Have you ever noticed someone self-sabotaging their own speech? Phrases like, sorry to bother you. This is a little thing. And it's probably nothing but. These are all examples of instances that reduce the power of our speech. When we engage in self-defeating speech like this, we silence our own voices. By definition, to sabotage something is to hinder success. Sabotage is the act of destroying or damaging something deliberately so that it does not work correctly. To self-sabotage is when your actions or thoughts hold you back from accomplishing what you want. O'Barr and Atkins suggest that men and women engage in this practice, but women tend to do it more. Women sometimes will use hedges, like, this will only take a few seconds, or it's sort of hot in here. Hedges are used when the speaker doesn't want to commit to a bold claim. Here are some common hedges. I think, probably, apparently, as far as, well... When hedges appear over and over again, they create a break in the flow of conversation. They cast doubt over the message. O'Barr and Atkins also warn us about using super polite forms. You know, like, I'd really appreciate it if you would. Would you please open the door if you don't mind? Both hedges and super polite messages are self-sabotaging. They take the steam out of our messages. They signal doubt to the receiver. And what doubt do they communicate? Maybe my incompetence. Women tend to engage in this kind of speech. But the question is why? Well, some of the answers are likely found in context, especially male-dominated contexts. Scholars have noted that generally women tend to be more risk-averse than men. And in studies specifically examining risk, gender differences are greater when women perceive the risk to be somewhat of a gamble, quote-unquote. In contexts that are traditionally considered male-dominated, women may elect to self-sabotage as a way to mitigate risk. In our episode 60, we spoke about women and heart attacks. Did you know that women in their 50s and younger are seven times more likely to be misdiagnosed during a cardiac event and sent home from emergency rooms than men? Even though cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of mortality for women in the United States and globally. Yet, heart attacks have traditionally been seen as a man's disease, even though it's the leading killer of women worldwide. In emergency rooms across the U.S., women are often told to calm down or told not to panic. Lisa Feldman Barrett identified this problem in older women as well. She says, quote, women over the age of 65 are more likely to die of a heart attack than men. One reason why is that when they show up in the emergency rooms with symptoms, they and their physicians believe they are anxious and that they are experiencing anxiety. So they send women home to have a heart attack and die instead of sending them for tests as they would do for a man. Women self-sabotage in how they speak about their cardiovascular symptoms. Dr. Catherine Crete Soulis has studied women's underuse of the word pain when providing descriptions to emergency room physicians. Crete found that instead of using the word pain, women will frequently use words like heaviness fullness, tightness, pressure, or ache. Using these more pleasant terms can confuse the person's evaluating the patient. Here we see a woman might minimize her own symptoms in order to reduce the risk of being seen as dramatic or as an overreactor. Now, like heart attacks have been seen as a man's disease, in job sectors, there are careers that have been traditionally seen as male jobs. In construction, finance, technology, science, transportation, engineering, and energy sectors, to name a few. Even though the percentage of women working in these sectors has been growing, in these traditionally male-dominated contexts, it can be challenging for women who are naturally more risk-averse than men. What's the risk they have to manage? Being seen as incompetent? Being seen as someone who doesn't belong in the conversation? Being someone who is too assertive or too aggressive? This perception of risk encourages women to engage in, quote, double-voice discourse, a term coined by Judith Baxter. Double-voice discourse is based on the assumption that the person listening is going to have a negative response, which in turn encourages the speaker to qualify their opinions to reduce the potential risk. According to Baxter, women are four times more likely than a man to use what she calls out-of-power language. Here's what the double-voice discourse sounds like. It's just my opinion. I know I'm not the ultimate expert on this. Correct me if I'm wrong. These are all what she calls out-of-power messages. So all of this research leads us to asking a critical question. What can women do to increase the power of their speech? Is the answer to sound more like a man? Well, of course not. In this episode, we propose three actions to take now. One, restructure your speech. Two, use more commands. And three, use your pitch and volume to reinforce your message. So let's talk about the first solution. The first solution is to restructure your speech. Baxter says we have to remove this double voice discourse that we have in our messages. We have to revise them. So instead of saying, I think I can do that, change it to, I can do that. Instead of saying, I should do that, Change it to, I could do that if I wanted to. Instead of saying, I'm hopeless at, say, I'm learning how to. Instead of saying, I will try, change it to, I will do. Instead of saying, I'm nervous, change it to, I'm excited. The second solution is to start using commands. So instead of saying, can I bother you for a moment? Say, tell me when you're available to talk. Instead of saying, can you tell me about X? Say, tell me about X. Instead of saying, if you don't mind, describe the issue, say, describe the situation. Instead of saying, I'm wondering if you could explain, say, explain the customer issue. The third solution is to use your pitch and volume to reinforce your message. Stop using ascending pitch and replace it with descending pitch. In other words, don't raise your pitch to make something sound questionable. There are multiple sources that call this uptalk. Up talk is defined as the result that everything you say sounds like a question, instead of using a descending pitch. Here's the difference. I could say, Today is Wednesday. Or I could say, Today is Wednesday? Notice the ascending pitch. I could say, John can cook steak. Or I could say, John can cook steak. Notice when I use the ascending pitch, it makes the party wonder whether I'm asking a question or telling someone something. And maybe you've had the situation where you've been wondering that very thing. Is the other party asking me something, or are they telling me something? Another nonverbal strategy is to maintain your volume. If a speaker consistently trails off in their speech, it will sound powerless. When you speak in declining volume at the end of your messages, you risk clarity as well as credibility. For all three of these strategies, the key is to remember to practice these changes so that they become true behaviors in your communication toolkit. Practice restructuring your speech. Practice using commands. Practice using pitch and volume to reinforce your message and give it strength. Another key is to practice these changes in what we call low-stake environments. Instead of practicing these changes at the most important business meeting you have this week, practice these when you're driving alone. Or drive in the carpool full of children. Or grab a partner at work and practice these changes. Select low-state context to move these power-increasing strategies into reality. Okay, Where's... we have a lot to talk about.
2: Oh, So I'll tell you my first note on this is, how could I do this to myself on purpose? How is that possible? It's a great question. What do you think? Well, I want to say no, but... Now I am doubting and I'm avoiding using a hedge in the way I express myself (laughs) right now. (laughs) Don't want to hedge your way through the question. Yeah. I I mean, I I think the answer now is yes. I think where it sits for me is it's because I have that constant voice in the back of my mind that's trying to manage not belonging where I am. Mm Or manage being to this or to whatever, Mm -hmm. to another party or in a workplace, especially. And so if I'm always having those voices and managing those things, and I'm, I I guess I thought was subconscious, but intentionally reducing my message.
1: Well, if you sabotage yourself, you just kind of accept a, a smaller loss right there. Yeah. Oh, that's how I kind of see it. What do you think, Michelle?
3: I definitely think there's some embedded risk mitigation. I got to say, I mean, I have a ton of male counterparts and they're incredibly gracious. And these are basically self-inflicted barriers that I put up for myself. But a lot of the males that I work with, and still to this day in 2022, I find myself sitting in meetings going, oh, I'm the only woman in the room, or there are only two, like for every, you know, four men, there's one woman. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And so what I found myself doing, you know, kind of throughout my career maybe less lately, but um, I am definitely guilty of this is, well, they're engineers. And I don't know, I can't, I can't compete. So Mm -hmm. my self-sabotage would be like, oh, could you just throw me a bone? You know, I have an idea. And, you know, I just, I just want to get your thoughts on it. And it's really sort of giving them the opportunity to just say, well, aren't you cute? And, you know, what -hmm. could you possibly know, but let's just throw Mm -hmm. her a bone anyway. So it's just really, I mean, it's incredibly discounting and quite frankly, I have good ideas. (laughs) I know I have good ideas, Yeah. but I I sort of just kind of sneak it in to, you know, Hey, what what do you think? You know, it's, it's sort of a litmus test to see how far I can go with, with, you know, what my ideas or what I want to discuss.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just had a crazy thought when you're talking. So is it possible that we've evolved in a lot of these traditionally male dominated contexts and that we're the ones holding ourselves back from the rest of the change that we were expecting or hoping for?
2: Sadly, that's what I'm hearing right now.
1: (laughs) No, because that's kind of something I don't think a lot of women think about. I think they think, oh, the numbers aren't where they need to be, or I need it to be X, Y, and Z. And it's like, wait, you're not helping it evolve.
3: I absolutely agree with that. Because like I said, I work with some incredible people and the males that I work with I, really for the most part, I mean, I think there are always people that, you know, have a sort of a sense of superiority, maybe deserved, yeah. maybe not deserved. But overall, I would say that the men that I work with are incredibly inclusive, want my ideas. It, maybe it's my generation. I also have this weird Our sense Our generation? Of, my, oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. <laughs> you and me. I have this weird deference to our executive leadership. Again, inclusive people and they're males and females alike, incredibly you know, gifted. Mm-hmm. But I also, I do that in that situation too, which is really the worst place you can do that because they're looking to you to make decisions and be confident in those decisions. But I do tend to like tap dance out my, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to say. And, just, um, you just use
1: five times more words than you needed. Yeah, right. right. Always,
3: <laughs> honestly, I, I,
1: well, you know, me, hello. It's true. Yeah. I know women too, though. It's pretty typical. Yeah. yeah.
3: Way extra. And, it, and it's actually coaching that I get from my direct leadership. Just to answer the question.
2: When you say it's when someone doesn't want to commit to their message, is that part of that? Like, I've never thought about it like that. Like, I've thought like, oh, I want to commit to my message. I'm just trying to reduce any problems. You know, I'm trying to manage all of that. It's not about not committing to my message. So what, what is that? Oh, I the- think it is.
1: I think if you're trying to mitigate risk and commit to a message, I don't know that you can do both. You have to pick which lane you're going to be in. I don't know that you can do your job while mm-hmm. also committing to messages and also mitigating risk at the same time. I think you end up with... A too complicated of a puzzle. One of those things will go away,
2: and that's that super polite speech that you're talking about too. Because then I that can when happen. I was have listening, you ever done that? Well, when I was listening, I was like, "Well, that's not true." I want to commit, and then you get into well, then there's this super polite speech. I'm like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with that." <laughs> <laughs> I think this whole thing. I'm like trying to fight you back this time. I'm not yeah. used to that, and it, each time I have a thought of. Well, this is okay. Then you're, but if you're going to of... find me
1: back, you have to be super polite about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> would you please listen? I noticed in the workplace, I'm really like, I, I've done that a lot. I would really appreciate it if you would, if you don't mind helping me with this, this thing, like, I don't want to take over your time, but you know, all, all of right. Those... So this is
1: our usual where you're trying to talk us out of some of the ideas in the <laughs> podcast curriculum. Is that what I do? (laughs) I think you do that occasionally, but here's (laughs) the thing. If you're already predisposed to being very polite or using hedges or using, you know, these double speak kind of messages, Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about you being nice. So I don't think the answer is, oh, we need to work on being nice or polite. You already are that way. We're talking about the other area that needs to be improved where it's like, how do you come across more direct, more confident, more committed to your message? And less compromising, and less responding to the risk, and more responding to the person. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I have a question though, because now, now I'm um, maybe I'm on Meredith's side because um, one oh. of the things that I'm, I'm <laughs> whoa, okay, <I'm kidding. laughs> you. Taylor, I got you. <laughs> no, the reason I ask is there are also times where that overly polite speak is almost like you're greasing the skids a little bit. Let's make this conversation easier. And I hate to say that it, perhaps it's manipulative, but it's really just trying to create a a, a friendlier environment so that p- p- you can potentially get more out of uh, out of the conversation or you can get out of it what you want.
1: You get more bees with honey. Yeah. Okay. So let's saying? differentiate that. That's not what I'm talking about cuz you're talking about using it strategically. Okay. I love that this is accidental. Mm. This is, I just do this because I haven't cleaned up my speech. I just do this because I'm in a communication environment that I perceive as risky. Mm -hmm. But I think as a strategy, love it. Anything strategic, I love. (laughs) This is more about those messages where we just automatically do this because we're kind of freaking out or perceive risk or don't think we're the person that should be at the table maybe doubt ourselves, whatever. That's
2: where I'm seeing this play out too, more in me. Maybe I am don't know enough about this. I am not the expert in this field, right? You yeah. were talking about that with engineers. I want to soften the blow before you... Because I don't want to get into some discourse or uncomfortable conversation. I'm trying to prevent that. But I'm seeing that by concentrating so much on that other thing that could potentially not even be happening <laughs> with yeah. the other party. Yeah. It's just wasting my time and lessening the power in what I have to say.
0: My issue with this is that...
2: <laughs> oh, everyone has got an issue. I it it. like it.
0: No, my here's colleagues. the thing. We've talked about this. I have a hard time making like a declarative, like a like literally can't even get it <laughs> yeah. out in this moment. I have a hard <laughs> time making declarative statements. And so I don't want to make a statement I could learn later is not a hundred percent true. I always have to put the hedge in, oh, well, maybe that you know, like I'm I'm learning this, th- those mm, kinds of things. Yeah. And I'm always undercutting my message. And I realize listening to my husband and I speak, when we'll listen to the same podcast, and then we go to retell it, <laughs> I will defer to him because I'm like, oh, he'll just say it as if it is true. And I put in all these questions and I'm just not great at retelling it anyways. But I don't know, I just have such a hard time with saying something as a matter of fact, because as I'm getting older, I wanna always be learning and open yeah. to other perceptions or someone else's version of something. And maybe that doesn't like quite apply when it comes to work and it's just kind of black and white.
2: I think we're trying to make, cause I, I think if I'm going there in my head with you, Taylor, We're trying to make that... If you're plagiarizing
1: her brain again.
2: I'm doing it. Yeah. We're trying to make this wonderful thing that we want to do for other people work, but really confusing a listener with that type of speech. Or then they focus on that you're trying to reduce some random risk. It's making me want to stop Hmm. and think before I speak. I should be doing that. (laughs) But sometimes you know I'm human. And also realizing that I'm... In my mind creating a problem before i even know there is one
1: you know and that's such a waste of time it sounds like a lot of this focus is on the message sent not the message received because i think potentially i could help the message received i hear a, (laughs) a number of you a number of my friends tonight i hear some of you saying oh but it's good here good there good there for the source That's the person speaking. If we think the message received matters, which I do have some opinions about that. If you go to episode one, you'll hear my thoughts on the message received is the one that counts. If you think about that and think about this topic, we're confusing people. Yeah, Because the message received is I know, but I don't know. I'm asking, but I'm telling. Yeah.
2: So this is where I want to wrestle with Judith Baxter. Okay. And I'm wondering, Michelle, if you have examples of this in in the workplace too, that you could share this, this double voice thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's the example we talked about. I'm not an expert. Correct me if I'm wrong. All those things.
1: Michelle, do you have some friends that do that?
3: I don't personally do it, but (laughs) I certainly have friends that do it. I do it often. Again, I sit in meetings. We're brainstorming. We're strategizing. And I read some article, or I saw some study results. And I will say things like, I mean, I am i didn't read it from, you know, beginning to end. And in my mind, I think I'm just yeah. being transparent. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm being trans- I just want them to yes. know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not the expert, but you should right. really consider this. So I think it's really intent, you know, and, and then it's it's both intent and how you want the message to land. Mm-hmm. I can't fix, I don't know, how do I do that?
2: I relate with that visual so much of just like the clashing of hands. Like,
1: how can I do (laughs) this? So Michelle just joined Taylor's team. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I'm the rover. I'm on everybody's team. I just want you to know that. I'm the utility player. Okay. (laughs) She's
1: a good team player. I see this. (laughs) If we think about it from the message received perspective, I think that tells us we have some work we have to do. I also would argue if we don't have the flexibility to understand how those tools work we won't use them in real interaction which we talk about a lot if you don't practice so it practice yeah. I and I yeah, thought was that of- was the sad reality of this is we really will never
0: do it if we do not practice it it the won't it's it, it, sad desperate that reality really, i wrote that down this is a sad reality if i don't tell my toddler exactly what i want if, if we don't practice it which i love the low stakes because i am going to practice it with my toddler so maybe it will translate to adult life too That's but right. if we don't practice it it'll never happen which because mm-hmm. we know we've heard a lot of this stuff like a lot of this has come out in other episodes
1: mm-hmm. let's practice commands okay So I just wanna give you a little background on commands. So this is something that I have to use a lot in mediation. I have to use a lot of commands. And it's done for a couple of reasons. So one is it's very direct and it also moves the interaction in a structured way. And I'm doing that on purpose as a mediator. There's another reason I use commands and that is to have higher levels of control in the interaction. So when you're in the middle of somebody else's conflict and you're trying to mediate them, if you are, presenting yourself as weak in any way they will walk all over you but you don't want to train people to yell at everyone just yell at everybody and then they'll all be under control so you have to figure out other ways to increase your control Mm. one of the ways is to use commands so i think we should practice
2: i'm excited about this one okay all right i love
0: this a lot and i know that you're really more talking about in the workplace but all I could picture was my three year old and me I'm saying, kidding. I need you to well, do that's this. your workplace. Instead of yelling. <laughs> like the Yelling doesn't no, work. Like,
1: I know that. That is something I talk with a lot of women about. I've trained communicators for decades, right? And a lot of the women that I work with say, I want to be more assertive, but I don't want to yell at everybody. Yeah. And I don't want to be bitchy, and I don't want to be you know, that person that's like a kind of a monster. What do you do? Well, you have to think through what are the dials in front of me and what can I adjust on yeah. the different dials that will increase my control without increasing my volume. Yes. We can do that a number of ways. Commands is one of
2: the ways. Because I think what you said just a minute ago was just kind of hit me. I've thought about that a lot. But when I was younger, I got, lot, I got a lot of time. You're bossy or you're too loud or why are you so angry? Right. So I think if you're someone that thinks like, I'm always trying to regulate that I'm not the angry person or I'm oh, yeah. not, you know, like whatever that voice is, unless you have a real problem, deal with it. But that's not what we're talking about right now. So probably maybe I'm hearing that these probably maybe <laughs> oh, my God. I'm doing it again. Uh, it's like you so twisted I, your ankle for a second. so I'm, I caught myself though. Hey, we're <laughs> getting there. So I'm hearing that these learning these commands we're going to get into right now will be helpful for not escalating volume just to mm-hmm. try to be powerful, but to resi- know you have the power and just do it in a way that's maybe a little more healthy.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. it's the same thing with the ascending and descending pitch, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, Michelle, you're going to be on the committee with me, and, and we're going to have them each answer, and we're going to pick the winner. Oh no. It's a quiz. Oh my First god. First no, quiz no. I've done with a guest. I, I, I always know. win, Michelle. Okay, you ready? <laughs> no, there's no. no Don't ask for her Venmo. No, I didn't. I said I always
2: win. I didn't ask for her Venmo. Wow.
1: Now I see how she's winning. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, okay, here's the prompt, ready? Gotcha.
1: Can you give me a moment at some point today? Can you give me a moment at some point today? Mm-hmm. Like to
2: talk to someone? Please let mm-hmm. me know when you're available to talk. So you're using a command. So let me know when you're available to talk.
0: I need to talk to you today. Not a command.
2: I win. That's not a, good...
3: <sighs>
0: That's not a think, command.
2: Michelle?
3: Oh. Wait, did you drop the please or did you still say please, Meredith? I changed it
2: to let me know when you're available to talk today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not a command yeah it is, let yeah, me it is. Me know. it's not let a me question I'm
2: instructing you to do something it's a yeah, command it was, so. all
1: right you could have a stronger like tell me you could do that Michelle so when when Meredith and Taylor were in school it would be like Meredith's about to turn in her tests and she erases the please really quick before putting it in the stack
2: <laughs> yeah
3: right well that's what I was gonna say I think it's a tie to be honest I I okay. was gonna give a tie on
1: that one okay so that means nobody gets a point <laughs> sorry it's okay If it's not too much trouble, help me understand.
2: Oh my gosh, that sounds like something I would say. (laughs) So depressing. (laughs) It's got a few problems.
1: When you have time, help me understand.
2: Can you just say, help me understand,
1: X, Y, Z? Help me understand is better than the one Meredith gave, I think. What do you think, Michelle?
3: I would agree. I was thinking, I need for you to explain this to me.
1: or just explain this to me or explain this to me.
3: Yes. Say Taylor on that one. Sorry, Meredith.
1: Yeah. All right. (laughs) If you can get comfortable with language that begins with these directives, like these commands, they Mm. come off more naturally in your regular conversation. Our kids will come in and they'll say, I've, you won't believe what happened to me. And I'll say, tell me, like, Mm. I find that it's very common in my regular language because I use commands so much, Mm. but see how short that is. And I'm not yelling it. I'm just being very clear. All right, you ready? This is really fun. Okay. All right. Says who? (laughs) I'm thinking about the problem and wondering if you could possibly give me more information if it's not too much trouble. Oof. I need more information
0: about the problem. The customer service in me wants to avoid that word problem. We're not allowed
1: to use that word.
0: Okay, but do a command. I need you to tell me more about the problem.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that's very commanding. Here it is again. Say I'm thinking t- about the problem and wondering if you could possibly give me more information if it's not too much trouble. You know how much fun that was to write. I know.
2: There's a lot that I just want to cut out of it. Less words. Less. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to cut so many things off of that sentence. So I'd say, tell me more about the problem. I need more information. In the reverse of what you just said, mm-hmm. Taylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you reorder my sentence structure, will you yeah, get the so point? Just tell, yeah. tell me more about it. I need more information.
1: Yeah, I like the need after the tell. What do you think, Michelle?
3: I like that one, too. I I really do. It's two parts, but but you start strong with the...
1: Mm -hmm. I like that. Tell me about it. All right. Nobody's a winner. You still have to work. Great.
3: Meredith, do you still want my Venmo, though? I'm
2: kidding.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Just asking for a friend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just asking for a friend named Michelle. (laughs) Oh, man. These Mm -hmm. are the three things that you recommend for Mm -hmm. how to increase your power. And Mm -hmm. we just talked about the second one, which is using more commands. Yeah, we did. The other other two are restructuring Mm -hmm. our speech. So removing that double voice that Miss Baxter calls it. So changing that, This one, a lot of that stuck with me. It's instead of the, I think I can do that, just I can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: One that really I never thought of, because we talk a lot of in this podcast about don't let people should on you or should on yourself, or I should, should this, that, whatever, is I never thought, well, what's the opposite of that? What's the other way to do it? And it's, well, I could if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so silly and so funny, but I just... I think I am I do shouldn't in my head a lot. And now I'm going to go, I could do that if I wanted to. I could Mm -hmm. do that if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third one. Oh, I was just thinking,
0: well, I feel like I've had, when I say like I need something, I've had people come back and say like, I don't want to be told what to do. And I feel like that's not telling someone to do when you are requesting like
1: a need you have. I'd say just get rid of them. <laughs> the pushback I've had to. Unless those. it's Meredith, then it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, <it's> keep.
2: Not <laughs> we'll keep her. Is it possible because you're becoming more assertive? People are pushing back on that in your life now, and you're yes, definitely. you don't have the time to do a lot of this confusing talk anymore. So you are getting better at it, and you're noticing mm. it because you're getting pushback on it.
1: Okay, maybe maybe, maybe there's growth there. Okay, so I want to ask Michelle about commands. What are your thoughts since you work in a male-dominated context or previously male-dominated, I don't know how much it is in every interaction. What do you think about using commands? Do you use them?
3: Interestingly, in person, I tend not to. In writing, I tend to more. It could be saving time. Usually when I'm doing a chat or a text or an email, I tend to, to, just be going quickly. So, and then I, I go back and then to your point, I go back and I read it. And I'm like, God, I was kind of rude, you know, and <laughs> I've even followed up in an email and said, and, and, and just tried to soften it by putting something else into it. But a lot of times it's based on time and that's why hmm. I'm a little bit briefer. Interesting. Or more brief.
0: Have you had pushback on the email or do you get more done through that kind of communication?
3: That's a great question. I would say likely more productive when I'm more commanding and less flowery.
1: So maybe it works. So we don't say mm-hmm. like, let me know. We say, email me back by Friday. Ooh. Well, no. I mean, just yeah, being clear. Remember, clarity is kind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Brene Brown's little phrase there.
0: That's really all this is, right? Is we're not being kind communicators when we do all of these hedges and double talk and all the... So like- I think
1: there's a perception that the speaker is protecting him or herself because when I hear people <laughs> using hedges and saying "I think" if I it wouldn't be too much trouble and all these different things, I think do they even have that clarity on what they're even talking about right now? Mm-hmm. It makes me doubt that. So let's talk about another thing that cast out, which is the pitch. Yes, I don't have a stat on this, but I would say I see it much higher incidences of this in women than men. Much higher. Oh, I just think of my
0: job and customer service. And that's the way I get everything done. has to sound very kind, almost like I'm singing at you.
3: Yeah. So I think it has its application. You know, you're talking about customer service. I worked in restaurants and I was a bartender when I was in college. And there is a level of sincerity that you're trying to convey. And depending on where you are with customer service, people are expecting to be treated maybe a little bit differently. What I've noticed is I typically don't use the ascending tone, unless I'm challenging somebody. I've noticed that when I challenge somebody, Mm. that's when I use an ascending tone. Because I'm actually, I'm a pretty loud talker, as you're probably all finding out now. When I challenge somebody, that's when I tend to go, but is it really that? And I'm not trying to be disparaging or condescending. I just think I'm like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to
1: challenge you. Mm. So, but that again is a strategic application
0: hmm.
1: I'm not talking about strategic applications. I'm talking about sounding like that most of the time, having the tone go up.
3: But I'm saying I don't do it on purpose. I do it because I'm hedging. Maybe I'm wrong. And I want to make you feel comfortable when I challenge you. I'm saying that I I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm, I'm okay. not doing it strategically.
0: She's saddling okay. on herself. <laughs>
3: I'm owning. I'm owning this.
1: Yeah. Okay. But I think that is information for all of us. If somebody says back to you, are you telling me this or are you asking, you have totally confused the listener. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've probably all had that response before.
0: One time when I was early dating Ralph, I told him I was going out for drinks and he thought it was a question. And then he responded with like, okay, yeah, you can. And I ran out of the bar and I called him and I was like, hey, I wasn't asking you. (laughs) He's like, okay, yeah, I thought that was so weird why you would ask me if you could go have a drink. And so I'm noticing maybe I do that more (laughs) than I intend to. Yeah.
2: It actually is the one that I found frustrating. And I heard women in the workplace do this before. And I was just like, can you just say what you mean? Because it's this very sweet sounding thing i'm not saying michelle that when you do it it sounds like that but sometimes it, it just sounds too sweet and I'm, I'm not here for i'm like i'm not here for that i'm trying to get stuff done i'm working right now tell me what you need it is confusing in my last job you would go together for certain meetings with certain clients and a lot of times some of the women go i'm going tomorrow are you asking me to go with you yeah to
1: with that client i don't know what you need so like a good example i like that
2: sometimes I could hear a little pitch raise. I've only ever heard women do it. I don't think I've
1: actually ever heard a man do it. I have. You have? When I'm training mediators to be more assertive, I see them all the same. And they do different things that that need to be dialed in. And this is one of those additional things besides using commands. Mm. or Lowering the tone, sounding more committed to the message, including not trailing off. But I've definitely had men do this. It's not as t- as common though.
2: Yeah, that trailing off. Can you talk more about that? What is that? Just like well, you've you know had I mean? it before
1: where you're saying something and then you just kind of go. Oh, 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 oh.
2: Okay, maybe I do do that.
1: <laughs> I think you did it this weekend when I saw you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's why I got so inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I would uh, guess you wouldn't struggle with that, Michelle. What do you think?
3: Surprisingly, as I'm listening to this, I think I do. But I don't know if it's tied to this, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I do think I do that. However, I think it's because I start to verbal vomit. I overexplain, which we talked about with the dance of visibility, is overexplaining. Mm-hmm. And then I realize it, and then I just start to trail off like, I'm just going to stop now.
1: You know, and it just. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's combination with overexplaining is a rough one. So that by definition, these are sentences that lose volume and become inaudible. So they just kind of mm-hmm. go away. It's almost like over and then way under doing right. it. Instead yeah. of going directly to the middle. It's,
3: compl- it's a total rub. I mean, it's just a rub. Like, don't over explain if you're going to trail off and not finish what your thought is. You know, it just <laughs> doesn't make sense. I like that explanation.
2: It's just a rub. <laughs>
1: it is. So, I used to do this when I first played competitive tennis. I used to overrun the ball. Then I'd have to back up. Then I'd hit it. And you can do that if you're athletic. So, that's great. It's super inefficient. Mm -hmm. The coaches said to me, or you could just glide up to the ball. (laughs) Instead, you're racing to the ball. You're too close. Now you have to back up. And it's sort of like that with over explain, over explain, over explain, and then just trail it off (laughs) because.
3: I actually have an example of that. I was in a a meeting and I was having to present something to one of our executives and I I started to over explain and I caught myself. I didn't necessarily trail off, but I was sort of, I just ramped it down really fast. And then I said, does that make sense to you? And he looked at me and he goes, no, it really doesn't. I'm like, oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) Is that part of this too? Because my mother has called me out on that when I go, you know what I mean? And and I'm thinking it's this nice thing, but one time she was like, "You say that too much. Just I'll tell you if I don't know what you mean. <laughs> is it you asking for
0: affirmation?
1: Hmm.
2: I, I want to know it's I'm re- the risk of being incompetent or belonging sound is just like so triggering to me in this mm-hmm. i'll I'll think to myself, don't hedge or don't do that. Just say what you mean right? I'll have that thought. But then I'll end it with this like, know what I mean. <laughs> Or like, I just want to make sure I make sense. Am I making sense
1: to you? Am I I being clear? But I'm doing it after. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No. That's a dangerous ask if you know you kind of botched it up already. Mm -hmm. It was dangerous. Yeah. Or I think
2: I said it well, but I just want to make sure. Like, I want to give them the chance to make sure that they got it.
3: And get validation for it, too, in a way. I mean, in a way, you want that validation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but i stepped into my own trap i should not have said does that make sense <laughs> because it didn't and i you should have just him. said I, I have to just... go <laughs> yeah i am just and just trail off and <laughs> like close my computer
0: okay so we're going to practice but what do you do in the middle if you find yourself like you've already messed up <laughs> how do we get the words back in our mouth we can't like, get them back in what do you think taylor <laughs> i would think stop and then just say what maybe just say what you mean. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was. I'm sorry.
1: Then,
0: well, because you were just so confusing with all this over talking and hedges and these tones. Your pitch was confused. Don't, don't throw know. in it. Okay. I'm
1: sorry. You've already done enough damage. How do you just stop yourself? I Let mean, me we naturally over. do it. You'll hear people go blah, 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 blah. And then they'll go, what I really mean is. Hmm. Okay. And I edit this podcast so I can say that I do have <laughs> some hard data on this. From one or more people. Oh, no. <laughs> oh Wait, what? I'm just saying, I edit, so I know that all three of us do this. <laughs> Can because you just I call edit. us out
2: right now? You, you know who does no, this No, all works. three of us do it.
1: I do it, too. Really? We start a sentence one way, mm, start it another way, mm, <laughs> and then we, then we say the actual sentence. And then what I do is cut off the first two random legs. That's funny. So in other words, make you make you seem a little pink. She more, makes us look good. More polished,
2: right? So can I ask you, Michelle, in your work environment, how do you receive this when you hear it around you? Because you said mm-hmm. there's like, sometimes you'll see one woman to every four men and albeit you preface the men are gracious where you work, but do you notice this with other women around you?
3: Do I notice...
2: This type of speech, I'm, this type of speech.
3: Less that and more when they're not doing that my former boss before she was my boss i always thought wow gosh she's she seems kind of harsh turns out to be one of the best bosses i've ever had i mean she's direct she doesn't mess around she doesn't use too many words and she's very clear and when she pushes back she she's direct about it so i'm, I'm more noticed that and in a way i'm like i want to be more like that but then i'm like well, what if I offend somebody? So it's a, it's a great question. Yeah. I tend not to notice the things we're talking about not to do. I notice more when I admire women that are doing it the right That's way.
0: Interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. Was that boss perceived as kind of a bitch or kind of? What did you say when you first described her?
3: She's very direct. She, I mean, she seemed very intense and hardcore. I had never really worked with her. I just crossed paths with her with her occasionally. Um, I just would leave meetings thinking wow, that that wasn't very nice. And really, it, mm. she wasn't being nice or not nice. She was just being direct. I learned so much from her. She's the type of person that just would always raise your game. And mm, she's wow. still one of my closest friends. I have lunch mm. with her every month. <laughs> she's amazing. Mm.
0: But that's kind of the fear as to why we do all this, right? Is because we're afraid of these perceptions.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yep. Interesting.
2: It's uh-huh. like you're admired for not being that way. It, it, it gives me the feeling sometimes of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah, kind of okay. thing, yeah. but it the goal is to be clearer. That's what is the tension that I feel. When I'm concentrating so much on this like potential fear that I'm having really is what it is of being a certain way or not being smart enough or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then I'm missing out on just a really great conversation that could just be about the subject rather than about this. St-
1: <laughs> the fear yeah. in my, my head, you know? Yeah, exactly. If, if we hear ourselves doing this speech, if we hear ourselves engaging in these kinds of non-direct patterns or powerless speech, one of the things that I would argue is that if it bothers you, it's worth changing because hmm. you're listening to yourself. So I know sometimes I'll talk on these topics and women will say to me, that's totally me. I do that, all that. I do, I do, correct me if I'm wrong. I do, you know, all the things. And what I would say is you're in every conversation. You travel, but you're exposing yourselves to pretty high levels of it potentially. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about that over time, is that's a good idea to keep exposing ourselves to that powerless speech. That might be a reason to do it just by itself. Yeah, I'm...
2: Some of this to me feels like I'm trying to control something that I just cannot control. I need to let that go. Okay, If I talk to a supervisor, I'm like, I'm trying to control that you know I'm working hard. How can I control that thing? I can't just, I have to do it. I just really like what you said because I leave a lot of conversations
0: with shame and guilt and then ruminate and ruminate and ruminate. Mm-hmm. I should have said, I shouldn't have said. And I'm the one that's in all of those conversations. So if I'm bothered, I should change it.
1: I think so. Yeah. I know that's easier said than done. So let's just go really quickly through (laughs) low-stake environments just to remind ourselves. If you want to get any tool into your communicative life, you have to practice it in real interaction. You can do it in low-stake environments with a child or with some place that doesn't have the high stakes, like the promotion you're going for is not the time to do that, right? Right. At work. Pick a low-stakes environment and start to implement it the other thing I was thinking, and I want to get your feedback on this, Michelle, what about grabbing a partner at work and practicing some of this speech? W- would that be seen as pedestrian in your workplace? Cause I wonder about not women at all and women.
3: Yeah, not at all. In fact, we do role-playing things like that, but it's typically mock interviews. I think it's, I think it's essential. I think it's a, an essential job skill for men and women. But in particular, you know, obviously in our our Lean In group, uh, I think it would be a a great tool. I think it would Mm -hmm. really be helpful.
1: Because I think if you had two people that were both trying to work on the same thing, you could partner up and say, let's practice talking like this. I think it's a great suggestion. And I have a, a final thought, which is, what if we took stock of our speech practiced in low-stake environments and became clearer now we maybe have already mitigated lots of risk Mm -hmm. so now when we face that same communicative context we might say i don't see it as risky as much risk as i used to see it as because i practiced because i think it feeds into more risk if you don't practice
2: i was just going to say so practicing is going to reduce the risk also i think so
1: because then it sounds normal
2: yeah, because I could see how if I don't practice, I can sound like a straight-up robot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I feel like I have Seriously. The, the best gift I have is that I teach communication. And because of that, I have to practice all the time with my students. So years and years and years of practice. And I feel like that's a real gift that my career has for me. But one, I think we could all give ourselves, which is I'll practice because I'm important. My communication skills are important enough to practice and because uh, of that practice then i'll i'll be able to go forward with confidence
3: or alternatively i could put a um little earpiece in and you can tell me what to
2: say <laughs> i mean i mean we michelle? are
1: friends. we are it's true michelle See? she
2: knows she knows what we need why have an elevator T- pitch when in? you have a talk duck right <laughs> seriously i brag about you all the time why don't you just help, help a friend out i'll tell you <laughs> just asking for a friend exactly that's right <laughs>
1: Thanks all you, right Michelle. before we go shout out to bill who's a fan of the podcast
2: huge oh, fan. we just heard this
1: yeah oh
3: my gosh huge he was he was sending the podcast out we're in we're in nebraska doing something com- just different for his work and he's met total strangers today And he's like no seriously here it is and i'm, I'm gonna just send you the link and he's like give him the stats and I'm like, oh, I think I have the stats right. Seriously, he is such an ambassador. <laughs> he
1: oh loves my it. gosh! I had to give him a the shout out on right this. now. Is- I love yeah. It. With that said, thank you for being here. For thank that. you so much. I'm so
2: happy. Thanks to
1: be- for being here. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at
0: afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.